Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go through the minds of people living in New York City. Being that I live in the city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's get ready to dive into these confessions with people I know and people that I've never met. Hi guys, I hope you are doing well. Welcome to the next episode of the City Confessions. Today I have Austin Tasson. She is a freelance writer and a fashion and beauty content creator. And welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So I wanted to actually tell you that you are the first guest that actually reached out to me. And I thought that was so amazing. I love when people do that because it gives me a great feeling that what I'm doing is, you know cool enough for people to want to be on and um yeah so I appreciate that that makes me so excited and I talk a lot like in my blog and on my Instagram about pitching and about like kind of putting yourself out there and stuff so maybe we can get into that a little yeah no that's that's what I love though I like automatically knew I was like this girl is some is a go-getter and I love that (laughs) actually a funny story one of my my first intern one of my previous interns also reached out to me to like want to intern for me and I think that's like amazing because um when I first started and I knew I wanted to get an intern I was posting it like on Mm -hmm. online so the fact that like she reached out to me directly and was like hey I want to intern for you I was like wow that's amazing yeah so it's a great trait to have I think for sure that's so cool Yeah. yeah definitely so let's begin by having you introduce yourself and giving a quick brief overview of who you are what you do and your relationship with New York yeah. So, oh man, my relationship with New York goes way back, but I've only lived here for six years, uh, which is still kind of a significant amount of time. But I always knew I wanted to move to New York when I was younger. Um, I am originally from New Jersey, and so I was always kind of looking across you know, the river, for <laughs> yeah. lack of a better term. And when I was younger, I was really interested in a lot of different things. I was interested in theater and music and also fashion, kind of a little to a lesser extent. But once I got to college, that all really started to come out for me. Um, My mom was actually a magazine editor. And so when I was in college, I kind of wanted to follow in her footsteps uh, after a little bit of no, I don't really want to do that. And then Wait, I said, where did you go and what did you study? Okay, so I went to Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania for one year and then I transferred to Barnard here in the city okay. and I studied art history. Okay, so you were in the city for college? Yes, for okay. three years. Yeah, I transferred in though after mm-hmm. they rejected me as a freshman and then waitlisted <laughs> me as a transfer. It's finally, fine, that's the, that's the strategy. <laughs> finally, they realized that that was where I needed to be. And so then once I was actually in the city and fully immersed in, you know, it was the center of fashion, it was the center of media, it was the center of writing, and just all the things that I love together. And so I stuck with my art history major just because it was still a communications major. I felt like English, you know, I didn't necessarily get to be as interested in the visual component also, which for fashion was such a big thing for me. And then while I was doing that, I did a bunch of internships while I was here. So I had six internships in college and a few of them, I think four, were at fashion publications. Oh, wow. Wait, were you interning? What was the first internship? Marie Claire. Okay. That was, was my that sophomore year? Um, yeah, that was my sophomore year. So that was my 
big intro into the fashion world and mm-hmm. fashion editorial specifically. And I was a fashion closet intern, so lots of I know I've been garment there. bags and running <laughs> around and samples. Yeah. And but I still just loved all of it. That's like good. even following up on a sample that was running late, you know, it was like yeah. an exciting feeling. So I interned at a bunch of different places in college, and one of them was Nylon Magazine. And I stayed in touch with supervisors there. And come like March of my senior year, I was reaching out to people and saying, you know, hey, heads up, I'm going to be graduating and this and that. And I ended up being able to meet with my former supervisors from Nylon, who just so happened to be hiring an editorial assistant there. So after I graduated, I started working at Nylon, which was absolutely mind-blowing to me because it was such a dream course, job. Yeah. And then I got promoted to assistant editor and about a year and a half after I started working there, Nylon folded. So the whole print staff got laid mm-hmm. off. And that was my first like, oh my, oh my God. gosh, yeah, just moment. Yeah, to be so you know? young and to experience that. Yeah, and it was it was my dream job. You yeah. know, It was that thing that I felt like, oh my God, but I've worked so hard for this. And like, I, I positioned myself so well. And I felt like there were finally sections that I really had ownership of and all of this stuff. And so that was really hard for me. And pretty quickly after, like luckily, I found another position at Interview Magazine, which is actually in the same building that Nylon was, even though they were two totally different companies. So I worked at Interview for about eight months and then Interview folded in May of 2018. Oh my God, is this a trend? (laughs) I know. Well, we can talk about, I mean, that's part of why I think bloggers and influencers are so interesting right now because Mm -hmm. people are going to them for what they used to go to magazines for. And it's hard for me. I mean, I've also had my fashion and beauty blog um, keep common chiffon for seven years now. So I really do understand both sides of it. But it was hard to kind of let go of that traditional print journalism mm-hmm. that I grew up really thinking that mm-hmm. I wanted to be invested in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then tell me about how, okay, that last position mm-hmm. and to where you are now. Right. So interview folded and I had been, you know, I had been fine at interview, but I definitely knew it wasn't my forever place. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned so much there, mostly about celebrity culture and like how to interview them and all of that kind of stuff. So that was interesting. And when it folded, I just kind of was still kind of looking for other full-time positions. You know, I thought maybe I need to just do a digital position somewhere, or maybe I need to work more in social media or do something. And as immediately as I had gone from nylon to interview, there was like a month gap between those two jobs, I thought that maybe, you know, maybe I could just take advantage of the time and start at least trying to figure out if freelancing is something that could work for me. So I remembered right at the end of interview, I think like two weeks before it kind of all folded, I had been approached by my friend at Bustle to write an article about like being a part-time influencer. And so that was my first kind of freelance piece. And it was one of those, I should have asked forgiveness and not permission, but I had asked my editor like, oh, you know, I've been approached by some places, my editor at interview, um, that I've been approached by some places about freelancing for them. And she like hadn't heard of Bustle, which is so funny. Yeah. Like, Bustle is huge. It is, yeah. And so she told me I couldn't freelance for Glamour, which I had been approached for also. But she was like, yeah, Bustle sounds fine. I don't even know what that is, <laughs> which is so funny. So I did get this piece published in Bustle, like right when that all ended. And that was kind of proof to me. I was like, you know what, if I could get one story, like, I think I could get more. And I had done a couple of paid campaigns as a blogger, but hadn't really been like putting myself out there and putting my ideas out there and going to brands that I loved and said, Hey, do you think there could be something here? So that was kind of what the first few months of that was really like. And I wasn't sure if I was going to stay freelance or if I was going to end up back in another full-time position. 
Cause I just, I was like, you know what, if I can make this work though, this yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So then that's what you've been doing since. And that's what I've been doing that's since. Amazing. So it's been since last May, it's September now, I guess it's coming up on a year and a half. Oh my God. Congrats. Thank you. Wait, that's so exciting. Yeah. Wow. It's been really, it's been really hard. A lot of it. Like yeah. it's definitely been the most um, interesting year of my life and something, but it's like, I've grown so much from it. And I feel like sure. there are so many things that I understand now that I wouldn't have learned necessarily in the traditional magazine format, mm -hmm. only because at that point I had interned for so many and then I had worked for two. And I kind of felt like I got that at that point, you know, I mean, it sounds so kind of weird for me to say that I really understood it all. I'm sure it sounds a little naive or something because I'm still really young and there's a lot that I don't know, but I felt like I had kind of gotten an idea of what that would be like. Mm -hmm. And so to suddenly go out and be more involved in blogger campaigns and that kind of stuff, it's it's been really interesting. So for clarification, yeah. you do, I guess, I mean, you do a lot, but you <laughs> yes. um, pitch yourself as a blogger mm -hmm. for campaigns. Yeah. But then the other part is you're pitching yourself as almost a writer and editor yeah. for these media um companies, I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. And I've been sharing this a little more on my Instagram stories with my audience to my income breakdowns. Okay. So not, not ever the actual numbers, but kind of just showing what percentage of my income comes from what kind of work. So to give you my July example, like 50% was traditional writing and editing. Mm -hmm. So that was either outlets that I work with assigned me stories, or I pitched them ideas that they commissioned me to like write a normal article mm -hmm. that you would stumble upon. So some of the sites I write for are Fashionista is kind of a main one for me. I helped Teen Vogue cover Prime Day, which was really Wait, fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, who else have I? I did like a temp kind of stint at Refinery29 mm -hmm. after a few of their fashion writers left. So a couple of commerce stories and things in there. And I have a couple of other new outlets that are coming up in the next few weeks. But so that was 50% of my income, right? And I think that's something that I want to communicate to a lot of people who want to go freelance is, especially if you're a writer, that that is 50% of what I made that month. And if I was only doing writing and editing, I'd only made half of what I would have made, Got it. you know? So then 32% in July was through influencer blogger campaigns mm -hmm. was that percentage of my income. 10% was copywriting. So I also do that for some brands. Um, so for example, a fashion brand might need copy for their email marketing or product descriptions, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then 5% was affiliate links and sales. So reward style, like to know what the That's usual. so interesting. I love it because <laughs> I think a lot of people, first of all, don't even realize how bloggers make money. Right. I've had definitely several DMs or people blatantly just ask me, like, I don't know how to, you know, even, I don't want to come across, you know, I don't even know what the word is because money is such a touchy subject, but For they'll sure. say like, how are you even making money? Yeah. So I think it is a topic that needs more conversation and awareness. But then the second part is also walk me through how you pitch to brands, because I think that's also something that's weird, at least personally for me, mm -hmm. I pitch when I travel you know, to get partnerships for like hotels and all that. Definitely. But it's weird to pitch yourself and then say, by the way, like pay me. Yeah. So, you know, so how do you go about that? Like, what are your tips and tricks? Totally understand. So I actually have a whole ebook about this called Amazing. Right on Pitch. Um, it's available on my blog and website. Um, I'll list that in the description. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I kind of, I put it into an ebook because okay. I was getting these questions, right. you know, and I wanted to be able to answer everyone, mm -hmm. but it came to a point where, you know, when you spend 30 minutes trying to answer someone on DM and make sure you're including all the information, 
I really just wanted to give people the best resource and in the quickest way mm-hmm. possible. Um, so it's $9. It's on my website and it has everything. It has tips for negotiating rates. It has email templates. It has all of that stuff. But I have several free resources too where I talk about pitching. So on my YouTube channel, there's a video like five tips for freelance writers who are pitching. I have a video about how to work with brands. And I think from a blogger influencer perspective, the biggest way that you can kind of get on a brand's radar, and this is a little like people have different opinions about this, but is really just to start talking about them organically, right? Tagging yeah. them, mentioning mm-hmm. them, even if you don't have the product yet, but mm-hmm. you're just online shopping and you're like, oh, this is so cute. And you tag them like the more information that you have like that to send to them when you do ultimately totally. go to pitch yeah. them to show that you're a fan of the brand, the better. And I really stand by that. And I think that it's just the way that it can work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've even had brands come to me and say, you know, we'd love to gift this to you in exchange for this kind of Instagram post. And truly my response to them right now is like, I don't have the bandwidth and it's exciting to be able to say that. Like, I still think the product is cool and I would in theory love to just be able to get it and post about Mm -hmm. it. But really at this time, the rest of my time is being taken up with paid partnerships and campaigns. And so I've actually said that to brands before and said, I'm so sorry, like I'm not Mm -hmm. able to accommodate this request. Like I always tell people they can send things for editorial consideration because you never know, you might be looking for, I don't know, a new body wash. You just ran out and then someone sent you Mm -hmm. one and then you try it and you're obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to, especially like coming from a journalistic, like magazine background, make promises like that. I agree. And yeah, yeah, so, but I had a couple of people who originally approached me about gifting campaigns who then I would send back statistics about, you know, whether it's swipe ups or comments that I get from people or questions that I have, especially for beauty brands. I mean, beauty, you could talk about all day. Mm -hmm. And those statistics sometimes convince a brand otherwise. And they say, you know what, as soon as we get budget next quarter, like you're the first person we're Mm going to reach out out to or you could take it upon yourself to follow up after the next quarter and say hey I just wanted to see check in did your budget reset did anything change like would love to find a way to work together right yeah I love that yeah that's what I do as well yeah um even just speaking to you like like what 13 minutes I definitely (laughs) I'm telling you you have this like go-getter energy and I love that and I feel like I have that too just being a native New Yorker yeah so that's like tie it back to New York Mm -hmm. and tell me about like what is your favorite thing about New York City? And just, yeah, just tell me how you see New York now that you live here. It's so amazing to actually wake up every day in New York. And I think the biggest thing is just remembering like, oh my God, you know, there's the saying, if you can make it here and to think every day that you wake up and you're, you know, you can go across the street and get your iced coffee and then you can come home to your apartment that you Mm -hmm. pay rent for. Like it sounds so cliche but it's so rewarding and to me New York has always just represented like that possibility and that you never know what's going to happen when Mm -hmm. you walk down the street because it's so true and I love when I run into a friend or when I am at an event and suddenly I'm standing next to I don't know it was just fashion week and Sophia Richie was at Alice and Olivia Mm -hmm. and like next thing you know she's standing next to you and you're like oh I love your blazer and you like (laughs) run the other direction but I think I guess it ultimately comes back to the people here like I am so obsessed with every single one of my friends who lives here I think that there are just so many people doing things here that make me excited to keep doing things also. And I really feel like when you choose the community around you, like you choose who to surround yourself with, even you choose who to follow on Instagram, you know, you want it to be people 
who motivate you to like level up your life and to take things a step further. And I feel like the energy in New York and the people who I know here are a big part of that for me. And I'm just so like grateful. Like I could, I always get so emotional. I feel like talking about New York cause it's just literally the place that I've always dreamed of ending up mm-hmm. and it makes me so it's like so wild yeah. that I live here sometimes. Yeah. I love that because again, for me, I was born and raised here and there are times when I almost forget how lucky I am as well. Just because, you know, you're going through the motions of life and you wake up and I mean, every day is different, but you know, you still have a routine. Mm-hmm. You like do all your tasks. And that's why I love this podcast. This is a passion project for me. But when I interview guests, like most of them, I don't, yeah, a small percentage of them are natives, mm-hmm. but most of them, you know, moved here from different countries, booked a one-way ticket, or were like you and like looked at New York and knew this is where you wanted to make your life. And and to hear like all their stories is so inspiring for me. Yeah. And afterwards, I'm like, oh my god, I need to do more as well. You well, because sometimes you take it for granted, mm-hmm. right? Like there, there's a lot of pressure sometimes, not even from anyone or anywhere, but just to wake up and be like, oh my gosh, I have to go do something today. I remembered feeling that a lot in college and not understanding that there could just be times where I could go to the library and like do my homework. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I live in New York though. Shouldn't right. I go to Central Park? Right. Shouldn't I try to go for a walk? Shouldn't I do the Gossip Girl tour of New York <laughs> City? Like, you know, there's always something you could be doing, but New Yorkers have to have that normal balance also. Like there have been Sundays where I just lazy around my apartment Mm -hmm. all day, do my laundry and watch football because that's just a normal Sunday for me. And I think people forget, and even like New Yorkers can forget too, that sometimes it's important to mix in that like normal C as well. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's all about balance. And I always have this debate with like my friend if, balance is even tangible like is it does it exist or is this concept like pretty just like dangling in front of us and we're just always trying to reach it but never you know really able to get it I don't know like what do you think about balance I think I used to view it really differently because working in magazines obviously you've seen it depicted in like Double Wears Prada and even just through like knowing certain fashion editors Mm -hmm. or maybe following them on Instagram like it does seem really cutthroat and it can be and it is and it's hard there are only so many jobs at so many publications that pay a salary that is you know sufficient for living Mm -hmm. here and I think that it always felt to me like I had to put off this energy like, oh, like I'm so productive and I'm doing these things and it's all happening for me. And there are still like, I can still be productive, but I could be productive for three to four hours on a Friday and then take the rest of the afternoon off because I feel like I actually got my work done in that really focused, dedicated time. And that now I can enjoy myself in the afternoon I kind of feel like I'm always working in some ways. Like Mm -hmm. I'm never not going to answer an Instagram DM, even if I'm taking the day off, you Mm -hmm. know, but I know that for myself, it gets to a certain point where I can put up a boundary and say, I think I'm done for the day or I think I'm, you know, ready to move on to the next thing. It's even been weird. Like I moved in with my boyfriend earlier this year and, you know, he works a nine to five job. And so I've kind of tried to put myself on his schedule and think, okay, I'm going to start my day. Like when he leaves, I'm going to make myself breakfast sit at my desk, do whatever. And then hopefully by the time he gets home, we can relax together and like make dinner and just kind of catch up and then actually be off the clock. I mean, there are also days where I have events at night or, you know, mornings where I have press previews and meetings and things like that. So I do have a good mix of my schedule varying too, which I love. And that's probably the best part about freelance life. But yeah, I definitely think like, 
balance, I view it a lot differently now. And I kind of have to look at balance day by day rather than setting for myself like, oh yeah, I'm never going to work on a weekend. That's the beauty of this. Sometimes, you know, I take Monday off for a random day to go Mm -hmm. visit my family in New Jersey. And then now I need to work Saturday. I'm like, I understand that for myself. And I think it's really different for everyone. Totally. Yeah. I think it's definitely a personality thing as well, because I used to work a um, nine to six. Nine to five don't even exist anymore. I know, I know. But um, yeah, there would be times when I felt like I answered all my emails, I did all my work, and it would be, let's say, a Wednesday at four o'clock. And it was kind of unspoken that you couldn't really leave, even yeah. though you were done with your job. And I always did not understand that because I'm like, first of all, you guys hired me for a reason, right? Like, I'm an adult. I understand what my responsibilities are, and like, I'm responsible. Yeah. And I just felt like, yeah, this society has put this, you know, almost um, norm of like living. I mean, yeah, working nine to five, working in the office, working in this like, I mean, I didn't have cubicles, but you know what I mean? Like that yeah, whole sure. lifestyle. And it's not meant for everybody. Definitely. And I felt like once I quit my job to do blogging full time, I felt like free. But with that being said, obviously it comes with risk and um, instability. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and definitely like that you have to hustle then, you know, because as you know, one month you can make nothing. Yeah. But then thankfully maybe like another month you'll be really successful and that can like carry on to your, you know what I mean? Like your next month, but it's definitely a lifestyle that you have to love what you do and just like keep on going. Definitely. I mean, even this summer, for example, I, um, you know, June and July were really great for me. And when you're paid on a net 60, net 30 basis, that's all kind of rolling in right now. (laughs) But my August was filled with, you know, there was a lot of like family, personal things that were going on. I was traveling Mm -hmm. a lot. And just at the end of the day, I didn't work as much. And so I was glad that I had done well in the earlier months to offset August, basically. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm like, yeah, I'm doing so great. Like these net 30, net yeah. 60 things are rolling in. And then in a month I'm going to be like, okay, hold yeah. on. You also had to pay quarterly taxes <laughs> this month and do all of that right. stuff. Yeah. So it's definitely a balance, but I agree with what you're saying as far as, you know, even in those nine to five roles, it was like, if you left before six, you were doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if you were done with everything. Exactly. Cause don't get me wrong. There were nights we, we used to leave nylon at like midnight when yeah. we were closing an issue mm-hmm. because we were up against our deadline. Right. Stories are coming in late you know, you don't, it was the, that was where we were really in the trenches and like all in this together. And yeah. we're this very scrappy team, you mm-hmm. know, and I actually did enjoy those moments. And then if we ever worked like crazy late, you know, sometimes then you'd get a comp day and then you feel bad about taking the comp day. And it's like, no, just, you have to realize that it equals out at some point. Right. And I think that's a very personal, like everyone should be responsible for that themselves because mm-hmm. as long as you're getting the job done, I think yeah. that is what it comes down to. Have you read the four hour work week? I have okay. actually. My That's boyfriend lent me his copy. Concept. Yeah. Totally. And it's- even like I've been trying to apply his strategy um, with like Pinterest lately. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because he was talking about in um, it's Tim Ferriss's yeah. book for anyone who doesn't know, mm-hmm. but it's, he was talking about this company that he had and basically he had one client who was amazing and who was like, you know, 85% of their business. And then these other like, 18 clients who made up the rest of the business and they were always the ones who were like driving him so insane and it was like why do I even have to put up with this why don't I just focus on the one thing that I see that's working that's performing well and kind of keep going with Mm -hmm. that 
And so I've been trying to use this with Pinterest to drag more, drive more traffic to my blog in the last few months. And it's been awesome because I can look on Pinterest analytics and see right now my most pinned post is my Glossier guide because everyone wants to know is Glossier worth the money? What products are the best? And so I made like 10 pins of that same blog post and pinned them all over Pinterest. And it's driving a ton of traffic to my blog just through that one post. And ideally they'll stay and they'll click around and do everything else. But if not, at least my page views are increasing because this one post that I wrote is something people really want to see. And so I think something that bloggers and content creators don't do enough of is, you know, I heard Julie Solomon stay on her podcast, the influencer podcast, you should be spending 20% of your time creating content and 80% of the time promoting it Yeah, because otherwise we're going to burn out. Yeah. Like, even and going down all your content. Absolutely. All these platforms. Yeah. yeah. Like travel guides. Like it's always worth resharing that stuff mm-hmm. because how often do you think like, you know, we share something Oh, it's, there's a new blog post and I share it to my Instagram stories. Not everyone is going to necessarily mm-hmm. see my story or register that it's there. And that's why I love having blog posts too. So that if someone ever asks me a question and I have a blog, that's post what I do. It, I just send them the link. I'm like, yeah. read it. They're like, here it I is. can't even remember sometimes. You know? I know. It's yeah. so easy. But um, wait, I'm curious. How often do you update your blog? So my current like content schedule is I do blog posts every Wednesday. I do new YouTube videos Monday and Friday. My blog newsletter goes out on Sundays. And I have a new separate career newsletter. And that goes out every Wednesday. Okay, perfect. So that's my content yeah. schedule for now. Mm-hmm. When I started my blog, I was doing three blog posts a week. But this was yes. like back in the day when yeah. it, like, it was actually good because you were supposed to get more content out. But even like with Instagram algorithm and then Pinterest coming in, there's like all these platforms. Like It's like what you were saying. Yes, it's great to have information out there, but there there is such thing as too much information because I feel like you're taking time away from that dedicated article to get its like like spotlight. Do you right. know what I mean? Definitely. Like, even with Instagram now, it's like if you post every I mean I do post every single day, but if you post more than once a day, like that post that you have for that day, like the first post gets it's sacrificed. Yeah. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Just based off of like the exposure. Yeah. So now I also do one blog post a week. I even asked my audience on Instagram and I have, you know, I have 11,000 followers. So it's, I really value the community that I have. And as much as I would like it to grow, my focus right now is being in touch with them and asking them what's going on. And I asked them, I said, would you guys miss my feed posts? Like if I, because I was getting really overwhelmed even with just posting to Instagram. And I said, would you guys be mad if I went to like every other day posting on the feed? With some exceptions. I mean, it was just New York Fashion Week. I was uploading twice a day, sometimes even three times a day, depending on what it was, because that's something that my audience is really in touch with and really wants to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone, I had a few people say, of course, we would miss your feed post, but we understand, like, honestly, we watch stories more. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't want to be posting something just to post it. I want to post it if I have something useful to say or something cool to offer. Um, one of my favorite things I've done on Instagram lately is I'll post on a Monday morning and say, comment your goal for the week down below and I'll DM you on Friday to check in and see how you're doing. That's so interesting. That's been really fun because a lot of people who now follow me, you know, it started out more fans of nylon and interview, I'm sure when I was working at magazines, but now it's turned into freelancers Mm -hmm. or people who are entrepreneurs who are hoping to quit their jobs ultimately. That's your main audience. Um, It's kind of 50, 50, I would say it's still people who are interested in fashion and beauty, Mm -hmm. like the kind of more traditional editorial content, but there's definitely a very large handful that are freelancers who are like looking for this kind of advice 
And so my thing is like, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to wait till Monday. You don't have to wait till this day, but like, why don't we pick a goal for right now? And then you work on it. And at the end of the week, you have someone holding you accountable because that's why I like posting my daily schedule on Instagram. And I update it at the end of the day. And I say like, here's what I got done, you know? And that's been really cool to just show people too, that like, I'm not a productivity machine all the time. There are days when I have things that I'm hoping to get done and I just don't Mm -hmm. get to them. And that's totally normal because I don't want to put it out there that I'm just like plowing through all this work and going at 110% because, you know, some days I'm just tired and some days, you know, things pop up at the last minute that take priority over the thing I thought I was going to do. And I think just being open about my own personal experience with that is helpful for other people who are hoping to like leave their Mm -hmm. jobs or who are hoping to maybe move more into the Mm -hmm. freelance side of things. I think everybody just wants somebody to be like relatable right obviously that's why social media works that's why influencers and bloggers have been the forefront of all these like campaigns and because i mean granted now celebrities are being a little more relatable right like they have their own youtube channels and they're becoming more um vocal and direct in their stories but i think that's what i don't know i think about the people that i love and it's mostly because they're so relatable and i feel like we're friends you know, totally. I mean, that's even why I love podcasts. Like you and I are Mm -hmm. literally just sitting here, we're Mm -hmm. chilling and we just happen to be recording it. But it's like, we would be having this conversation whether there was a mic here or not. Yeah. And that's what I like. And that's what I think people are really liking about podcasts right now is because it's not necessarily as perfectly curated Mm -hmm. as an Instagram post could be, or even as like a very edited YouTube video Mm -hmm. could be. Because, I mean, YouTube, there are two sides. There are the vlogs, and then there are the really professional videos. But even with vlogs, you have to edit. Yeah, absolutely. You know? so I have no two and a half hours of yeah. Fashion Week footage that I have yeah. to go to Unless for Unless it's vlog. just, like, live, like, a stream live, then everything is to edit. I mean, this is even edited as well, but my edits are mostly for transition purposes. Right. That's understandable. Which we will transition, actually, right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I kind of want to shift gears and talk to you about more, like, the serious side of the podcast and basically I ask my guests all the time like what keeps you up at night just currently right in this moment I don't know if maybe your life is going amazing and you have no stress you know it depends obviously when I record this but if you just think about what keeps you up at night what's stressing you out is there anything that you're going through right now that you're like wow I need to just like get this off my chest and just like be real and just tap into you know insecurities, worries, stress, all of it. Totally. And, you know, I will preface it by saying that overall, like life is actually really good right now. But that doesn't mean that there aren't those little moments or things that, you know, can come to us all. And I think right now, you know, there are times where it feels a little bit of pressure because it's really just me doing all of this right now. I was going to ask you that too. Like you're not outsourcing anything. No, not right now. Okay. Which is a little overwhelming, but I mean, it's made me learn so much. It's made me learn video editing. It's made me learn accounting. It's made me learn all of these different components of how to follow up with someone, how to respond when a client maybe is not as happy with the work or there was a miscommunication about it. And that's been really interesting because usually there's someone above me or there used to be someone above me who it would almost go through before it would even get to me. And now I'm also the direct source for all of these different things. So I don't have anyone chasing payments for me. I don't have anyone replying to Instagram comments for me, you know, 
the goal, I think, ultimately is to be able to outsource all of these kind of different things. But right now, it is a lot just on me. Is it because you have a possessive personality where this is how I was before, where you just feel like, one, you can't trust anybody to do the work better than you, obviously, because it's, you know what I mean? It's your business. Yeah. Um, or is, yeah, like what is, what is your mindset in terms of outsourcing? Is it because you want to control everything or do you know what I mean? I am a Virgo, but I've gotten a lot better about letting go and delegating. I mean, I used to give my interns at Nylon an interview. I used to give them real assignments because I would want to know how they could do with them. And I would try to be the person who could give as much guidance as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think more so now it's a financial thing. Like I do, I do have funds that I could delegate towards that. But at this time, I think it's more important to possibly invest in a new camera or focus on growing my email list before I need to outsource things like Mm -hmm. that. And I think I'll know when I get to that point, because right now I do have the bandwidth to do everything. Got it. So you're not, yeah, you're not too, too, too like burnt out. Totally. And like right now, like if I have a little bit of extra money laying around, it's more like, oh, well, I really need to buy a printer. Like, oh, I really need to do this. And I can tell where the priorities lie, even getting my professional services website up and running in addition to my blog. um, That was a big priority for me this Mm -hmm. summer. And it kind of got ahead of another project I was hoping to launch. But I knew that having this portfolio basically was way more important at the current time. And that was like a financial investment too, you know, getting the Squarespace and the business yeah. and then you need MailChimp and that needs to be business. And, you know, all of it does add up eventually. Yeah. Um, so I guess financial, but also more so like I'm still at the place where even though it'll take a little longer yeah. where I'm self-educating in some regards, I do still like have time. Got it. That's good then. Yeah. I think if I were to outsource one thing, it would be Facebook and Instagram ads right now, especially for the ebook, because I've got it out there, but I feel like me just talking about it on Instagram stories. When did you launch it? I launched it in May. It was May 1st. Um, So I've gotten some great feedback and have some cool testimonials. Um, Some people got brands to negotiate up like a couple hundred dollars from what they were offered originally. (laughs) And it's great, great to hear all of that. But the, the main like, wave of sales obviously it was like closer to the launch and Mm -hmm. so now I just want to make sure that the right kind of people know that it exists Mm -hmm. and so it's more of a strategy of figuring out how and who I'm going to be marketing to so if I were going to outsource one thing which you know a virtual assistant doesn't have to cost a ton of money that might be the first thing that I look into for something like that but yeah I mean other things that keep me up at night yeah like just the weight of knowing you know, if I don't get up and work, then like there isn't money. Of course. And that is very different from someone who used to get a direct deposit every two weeks into their account and, you know, health insurance and all of that kind of stuff. Like I'll be 26 next year. And then mm-hmm. that's when all of that is going to come into play for me. But what else keeps me up? Honestly, just like making sure that this is all what I'm supposed to be doing and trying to anticipate what's coming next. Because as I've seen in my career now, like magazines aren't going to last forever. Bloggers and influencers, it might burst at some point and we don't know when and how that's all going to happen. So I keep trying to think about what can I be doing to like get myself set up for that next thing? Like, am I going to be 50 and still like, Hey guys, welcome back to my Instagram story. Trust me. I know what you're saying. Like, yeah. I'm having this conversation with myself all the time about trying to stay ahead of the game and being two steps forward than the trend or what's happening because you just never know 
And That's, I think yeah. my biggest advice to people listening as well in the freelance world is like not to keep all your eggs in one basket, which so is why I love what you're doing because you're, you have different avenues of revenue, which obviously is the key to being successful as an entrepreneur, but also just having different platforms totally. and not relying on one thing because you have your blog, your YouTube, your Instagram, freelance work, um, your ebook, like that's like the best scenario. <laughs> I agree. And I feel like, you know, even with for like blogging campaigns and things like that, it's like, you never know how many you're going to get, or mm-hmm. if the one brand that you used to work with every month suddenly like gets bought or has a new person working there. And if that suddenly means that like $2,000 a month disappears, then that's an issue. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out where you're going to be filling in to fit in everything else that you need. That'll help pay for your rent and your food and all mm-hmm. of this stuff. Um, but yeah, even like looking at my income breakdowns, you know, in July, right on pitch, my ebook, that was 3% of my income for that month. In August, it was 5%. I'm really hoping by the end of the year to get it up a little higher into more like 10, 20, mm-hmm. 30%. And I really believe that products and services are where like, I would like to be focusing my attention so that I can kind of create passive income too exactly where you create something once and then people you know of course you can yeah you can of course update it if there's ever new information but for the most part you create it once and then you sell it over Mm -hmm. and over and I really feel like people like Jenna Kutcher who have done stuff like that and Julie Solomon and Amy Porterfield their online courses have literally made them like millions and millions of dollars And it's really inspiring to see. And I think that ideally I'd like to create a course in the future, but I'm even trying to think right now, you know, what else could I do that's similar to write on pitch? Like what would be the most helpful to my audience to put in kind of a more compressed, like digital product where yes, you could spend, you know, 10 hours doing the research and figuring it all out for yourself. Why would you want to spend $10 now to get this information? Like, what would you find valuable right and that's a question that I really keep asking myself it's always about giving value and yeah you I think whatever product you put put out there you have to put yourself in the consumer's perspective and say like would I buy this myself would I find this information useful you do a great job with that oh thank you the answer is yes and it's like clearly there's a market there's a reason why I should do this definitely that's great um, okay, so the last part of this podcast is a confession. Obviously, it's called the City Confessions. I really wanted to start this because I think we all go through life again with hustle. We're hustling. We're walking like a million miles per hour. We have like a million thoughts r- racing in our heads. But it's like every single person on the streets have a confession. I thought that concept or that realization was so interesting. So I wanted to ask you to complete the sentence of like my confession is, and I want to preface this by saying this is a safer environment. Like you don't have to share anything that's like too deep if you don't want to. Like people have shared like silly confessions or just you know maybe like a serious one. Um, so yeah, what is something maybe that people don't know about you? They'd be surprised to hear, or just something that you're like, guys, this is a confession that I have. <laughs> Oh man, I think honestly, just how much I like am emotional and like how many times I've been like, you know, I remember in college, like sitting on the side of a sidewalk, like crying about a boy after like a frat party. And like, I cried on the train the whole way to my boyfriend's after I got laid off from the magazine. But like, I think the reason for that, like, well, first of all, I'm a very emotional person, but also like, 
I'd so much rather just cry and get it out of my system mm-hmm. than have it like build up and like yeah. dwell underneath it. And I don't care if that means like looking like a complete idiot yeah. crying on the subway, yeah. you know, because I feel like I'm all the time. <laughs> no, which is I so love embarrassing. That. But Wait, are you like really into astrology? Um, like, only you know vaguely. Like, I have CoStar downloaded, do but... Do you know what your moon sign is? Yeah, okay, wait. So, I'm... Virgo's my sun uh-huh. sign. My moon is it's Leo. Scorpio. Okay. And my rising is Aquarius. Oh, I'm does Aquarius. That, does that, like, give you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I have a Scorpio... I don't know that that much. Like, I know... I don't know all the 12 Zodiac and, like, all their, like, traits, but yeah, I, I don't know, know anything about Aquarius. The ones. Yeah, I don't know the ones about myself or the people that I surround myself with. But, um, no, I have a Scorpio moon and mm. Scorp- like moon governs like your emotions, yeah. but it's like Scorpio is like really, really emotional. Uh, I'm a Leo and so I'm so dramatic probably, but it's like, <laughs> oh no, this boy. So I can relate to that, but I love that you own it. And I think that's another thing I think people need to, um, can work on as well. I think people don't realize, first of all, being able to feel different emotions is a privilege. Absolutely. And I don't yeah. know why people suppress it. Like, obviously, we don't want to be sad. We don't want to feel anger. But the fact that we are able to experience that, in contrary to being, like, happy, is, like, it's, it's being human. Yeah. You know? Because you'd rather feel that than nothing, you exactly. know, than being numb. That's even why, like, I'm really obsessed with Queer Eye. And I think that that is shedding light on the fact that, like, you can be, like, a straight man and cry yes. also, you yes. know? and. I sometimes meet people who I'm like, I know there's more to you here. Like, how can we peel back the layers? Like, I just feel like that show does such a great job of showing that it's not like feminine. It doesn't have to be feminine to like cry or do things. And you don't have to be, right. You can be a heterosexual, like cis person and just be like, oh my God, like, yeah, this is my emotions Mm -hmm. and this is how I'm feeling. And I'm always so impressed with like, the emotional growth that you witness in one week of just that yeah. show and I'm like oh my gosh I know so many people who could like go through this process mm-hmm. and probably benefit from yeah. it but it definitely like I know for even like being in my relationship with my boyfriend like he knows I'm an emotional person mm-hmm. and I would never be in a relationship where I felt like I couldn't express those things and he's very very patient <laughs> I'm sure about a lot of things too and it's just one of those things where I know this about myself and I am 100% the person who would rather cry for an hour and just be done with it than not cry about it and then have it under the surface of everything for I a week. I love that, yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much beauty to, to vulnerability. And I think as humans, we have a million layers and there are people who are just like very surface level and that's, and that's fine, you know? But I like people who have depths and yeah. are able to like, obviously would would trust you know to kind of shed light on that because we're so humans are so complicated like there is so much more to us than our jobs than our instagram accounts than like what what's on the surface you know and that's why i love this and just relationships i love love relationships and getting to know somebody because even like you and your boyfriend like i don't know how long you guys have been together but there's so much more that you can like figure out about him Oh, whether for sure. it's um, verbal confirmation or storytelling, but it's also like memories, and you pick up on everything about like the way they, the way they act, like the little, you know what I mean? It's totally. so interesting. And even going back to what you just said a minute ago, which I thought was interesting, like being attached to a title or mm-hmm. thinking defining it by Instagram. Like when I lost my job at Nylon, I took that really hard because that was how I used to like introduce myself to someone. Right? It was like I'm an editor at Nylon. And suddenly to not be able to say that made me question. It was like, can I even call myself an editor anymore? And it's like, yeah, because you have this experience. And 
just because you're not at a staff, like a staff person on a magazine right now, doesn't mean you're not that at your core, you know, you have to be able to figure out where your values are and what defines you separate from just that title or just that Instagram handle or whatever it is. And I like to think that I keep it pretty real, like on Instagram and social media. But again, that's one side of my life. Like, I'm sure there are more sides that don't necessarily get shown on there as much as I like enjoy the idea of being super open and relatable. I'm sure, of course, there are things that got omitted too, but I'll try to be real and be like, you guys, I got nothing done today. It was super (laughs) stressful. And Yeah. yeah, I think that that I try to treat it though. Like I have a bunch of friends who are just in it with me because for the most part, that's how they treat me. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. I just want to take a moment right now to just acknowledge your presence and for you to come on, share your story and just chit chat with me. And honestly, I feel like, again, we were kind of strangers, I guess, like (laughs) friends in passing. Yeah. But um, I just learned so much about you. And I feel like you're super inspiring, even to me. And a lot of the stuff that you were saying, I was like, wow, it's so powerful. Like, I haven't thought about that in that way. And this just makes me want to, I mean, I do follow you, but I want to yeah. like look at your stories now, like every single day to see what you're up to. Thank you. Um, and I just feel, yeah, like I love what you're doing. I love that you're so focused and your main mission is really to just inspire others to kind of go after their dreams, yeah. which is super powerful. And usually that comes after falling on your face like more than <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah, but I love what you're doing. So um, we're going to close off, but... Just tell the audience what you're up to because I'm going to leave all your information in the description. But yeah, what are you currently up to? What are your main goals for the rest of 2019? Yeah, so my goals for the rest of 2019, um, you know, I have personal goals. Like I wanted to travel to two new countries this year. So I did one earlier, Dominican Republic, and hoping to maybe do something in Europe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And um, some more career goals is really just to continue to grow my career email list, which goes out every Wednesday. And it's really just personal anecdotes from my end of you know, things that happened to me yesterday's was I had 30 seconds to pitch a Vogue editor and here's what happened. I also do have other freelancers on. You should definitely, um, yes, we should do one with you yeah. too. I'll send you a link to it after to share their stories and experiences as well. And yeah, just like kind of keep continuing to grow this thing. And I've gotten to write for some really awesome outlets this year. So I have a couple more that are on my dream list that hopefully one day I'll see my name up on their websites too. And yeah, also just to have more fun and do things mm-hmm. that don't involve screens and just really like chill out and right. yeah, take a moment to appreciate the fact that, you know, you survive another year in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. And then one more positive question is what is the one thing you love most about yourself? Oh, that makes me, yeah. Cause I don't think we take enough time to do self-reflection and just be like you know what I'm a badass or like this is why I'm so amazing yeah um, (laughs) one thing I really do love about myself is just passion that I put into things Mm -hmm. like I never want to do something half-hearted and if I'm taking on a new client or a new assignment or a campaign like I just want to do the best possible job that I can and really put in 110% because then even if you fail, you know that you've given it your best, but if you succeed, then you just like see that all of that energy and that passion was really going towards something productive. So I would definitely say how passionate I can be. 
I love that. Yes. That's such a great way to end um, this podcast. But thank you so much for being on. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy this. I'll give um, all the information below so you can make sure to follow Austin and all her like blog and tips and just like her ebook and all the wealth of information that you have. Um, and stay tuned for the next one, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.